remember last week I said, I went up to Seattle, and boy, the Lord just took away my cold. I was strong as a bull. He said, oh, yeah? Well, I'll show you as strong as a bull. I got really sick uh, just the other day, and um, so I'm sorry, but I hope this doesn't distract from the, my voice doesn't distract from uh, the message. That, that's my deepest, deepest fear is that, that anything I would do to, would, would hinder what God wants to say to you and, and to me and, and to all of us here. And so uh, let's get right into the message. I'm going to cut this right to the, the core of what we were to study. And would you turn with me in Romans chapter 12, please? In Romans chapter 12, Paul has just laid the foundation of, of obtaining and having spiritual gifts. And he's allowing us to understand that all of us have it. If you recall, it said in verse 3, For through the grace that is given to me, I say to everyone among you, everyone. Verse 6, if you look. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them accordingly. And so he started it all off by saying, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord. And so what we're going to talk about today is is how do we conduct ourselves, how do we we serve within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, it's a perfect time um, to talk about something like this for for what Rob just made the announcement. Hey, Walt, how have you been, man? It is so good to see you. He just made the announcement that we have growth in our children's department. Listen, there's no church in the United States of America that doesn't want to grow in the children's department. That's the life of the church, in my opinion. When young people come to church, in our society today, that young people who are having children come to church and entrust us with your children. And so Rob asked, uh, said that we we're growing, and he asked that, that if you would consider being involved. And so this is a real good message, not necessarily for children's ministry, but for ministry as a whole. You see, I'm not the type of personality that would like to to demand anybody to do anything. I I, I like the feeling that you want to choose to serve the Lord your God on your own. I always feel that if you'll do that, it'll be a long-lasting ministry. Um, I can only take myself as an example. I don't know how it fits with other people, but... I gave my life to Christ some 40-some years ago, and I gave Him everything that I am. I, 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 I jumped all in with all of my heart. And that's never changed, never varied. And so, but it was my decision. Nobody made it for me. And that made it easy for me to follow up on this whole process of being a, 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 a Christian. But not just a Christian, but a Christian who, who wants to to use whatever gifts that God has given to me. It took me a while to figure out what my gift was. To be honest with you, I, I didn't see any of it. I, I saw no value in me whatsoever. I didn't see what I could do. I wasn't an administrator, and yet my first thing that I started doing was work with athletes and their wives. And I, and I wasn't a great administrator, yet I wasn't a great teacher, and I wasn't a great speaker. And, and so I was wondering, where do I fit in in all of this? But I was willing to be, to be used. And then as I studied and grew, God just started to open up the door of my life and my heart to see exactly where it is that He wants to use me. I pray the same thing for you. It's a process. I want you to understand that. And so Paul is urging us to 
to give of ourselves as a living holy sacrifice unto the Lord. And so he has given us instructions concerning our spiritual gifts. And he tells us that these gifts must be administered through love. The whole concept of, of loving one another, of considering each other more important than we do our own selves. I want you to read with me, please, Romans chapter 12. I want to read verses 9 through 13, and then what I'm going to do is jump. I'm going to ask you to hold your place there, because I want to tell you what I consider to be one of the most important uh, statements that Paul has ever made concerning who he is, and how he chose to minister as he has chosen to minister. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, he starts by saying, love, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Persevere in tribulations. Be devoted to prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. It's enough for this morning. I want us to kind of think about this, and we'll, we'll get into next week, we'll get into the whole idea of, of blessing those who persecute you with, I will have to get a guest speaker. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> but it's a hard concept, you know, to bless those that, that uh, speak poorly of you. But let's, let's talk about these verses. Let's open with prayer. And Father, would you please bless us? Would you please as we pray almost every week, Father, open our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law that might bless our lives, that might mold us, conform us into that, that wonderful image of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please move me aside, Father. I, I pray that you would strengthen me, but that, that's not even an issue. I, I just pray that you would move me aside so that I do not hinder what you want to say to us this morning, myself included. I want to hear. I want to hear your voice. <clears throat> and so would you please bless us. Allow this time to be special. In our weakness, Father, may we find your strength. So I pray your blessings. I pray that you'll watch over us, Father. And now, Father, take this time that we give you this morning. Thank you for the music. It was really enjoyable, Father. Thank you for all the things that we do here in this body of believers. Bless us all, Father, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, <clears throat> I want you to go ahead to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for just a moment. I want you to see what I would consider <clears throat> the most important couple of verses using um, God's given spiritual gifts in the life of Paul. Uh, you know very well that, that he is my hero. I, I love Paul. And, and Paul is going to teach us how to conduct ourselves within the family of God. <coughs> Paul says this about an effective walk with Christ all along, serving the folks that God brings your way. Now, I've, I've told you before, I, I don't have any life verse, um, but I have life verses. I love the Bible. I love so many parts of the Bible. This would be a, a life verse for me, if, if you would, but it's, it's not. But, it, but I love this place in Scripture. Paul is pouring out his heart to those he is coming in contact with. 
And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19, he says, Though I am free from all men. I want, I want you to listen to that in a sense. That he says, look, I, I, I'm free. I, I'm absolutely free. If, if you learn nothing else in your walk with Jesus Christ here at this church, you need to know how free you are in Christ. No one should, have, should ever make you do anything. No one should ever in, force you or entice you to do something that you don't feel that you want to do. You're free. And Paul makes that statement. He says, I'm free from all men. But, here's the, here's the beauty of Paul. I have made myself a slave to all men so that I may win more. This verse alone, in my opinion, is worth its weight in gold. But let's continue. Paul says in verse 20, To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, Paul already is a Jew, but he's saying, For the Jews, I became as a Jew, so that I might win the Jews. He says, To those who are under the law, as under the law, though, he says, not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. Can you see his point? He's saying, I'm, I'm becoming all things to all people, so that I might I might relate to them and them to me and I might win them to Christ. Verse 21, to those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, he says, I become weak, so that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I absolutely adore the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's hard to put into words how much he means to me. This is written under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. And Paul is pouring out his life saying that I have become all things to all people so that by the grace of God I might win some. It's just a beautiful, beautiful statement. He says in verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I might become a fellow partaker of it. Now he gives us an example. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Therefore, he says, run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it, he says, to receive a perishable wreath. He's talking about maybe the Olympics or maybe some... uh, uh, great sporting event that was going on in Rome. And he was, I bet, a, a, I bet he followed sports. I bet he watched them and, and, and loved to watch how guys would train and, and get themselves prepared to, to run in this race or, or, or box. He says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it, we do what we do to receive the imperishable, and that is heaven, salvation, all the wonderful things that have come our way. Therefore, he says in verse 26, I run in such a way as not without aim. In other words, I've got a purpose in my life for what I'm doing. And I box in such a way as not beating the air. I've got a purpose in what I'm trying to do. Do you? I said last week, is there a purpose in your life? Do you know what God has asked and, and, and expects of you as a, as a human being? These wonderful, precious 
days and weeks and months and years that we have on this earth, what is our purpose? It'd be great to find out. It would be, if you haven't figured that out, it'd be an amazing thing to find out what is your purpose for life. My wife and I talk it through a lot. You know, I'm 75. Most, most of the guys I know my age have retired. I'm not going to until you tell me enough, enough already. You, you really are just too old. <laughs> and that's okay. That really is okay. I, I, I can go upstairs and teach a Sunday school class or I can do something else. But I'm not going to retire. It's just not, it's not, in, the, it's not in the cards for me. I'm not going to stay home sick when I'm sick. I'm going to come here and, and infect you all. <laughs> no, I'll stay away from you. But what is your purpose in life? Why do you like? Why do you live? I mean, it's more, it, it's got to be more than just the family. The family should come first, but it, it, should, it should kind of move outward so you understand why, why do you take breath? What is it that you've purposed in your heart? Don't run without aim. Don't box just beating the air. So he says in verse 27, it's very interesting how this ends. He says, I disciplined my body. I make my body my slave so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified. That's a very unfortunate rendering, disqualification. The word really is A-D-O-K-I-M-O-S in the Greek, and it really should be rendered not approved. In other words, Paul is speaking of rewards. He is speaking of not salvation. He is speaking about the, the judgment seat of Christ that all of us will sit under. Some will sit under it without salvation, and they will be cast into what is called the second death. Others of us who have come to Christ will sit under a judgment seat and we will be rewarded for what we have done. And Paul says, I have disciplined my body in such a way that I'm not going to be disqualified or not approved by God. Paul doesn't want to run the race here on this earth only to find out that what he did, he did in his own power. And he lost all the blessings that are in heaven. Now, I must say this, and I hope it doesn't come across um, haughty or, or prideful. But this is a very difficult concept for me to teach rewards. I'll tell you why. The whole idea of doing something, anything for my Lord to receive a reward is foreign to me. I don't get it. Um... By that I mean, long ago I decided to serve the Lord my God. I almost decided that upon salvation. I felt like I should share the wonderful news of of Christ with everybody that would listen. And so, I decided to serve the Lord my God even if He desired to give me nothing. What He gives me in return is irrelevant. Let's say tomorrow we learn that that, that I will not be rewarded for teaching here at this church, that doesn't matter. I'm still going to teach. The rewards do not push me. Now, I don't say that to be haughty because you may be working for a reward and that's fine. It's more than fine. It's biblical. You ought to. I've just decided not to go that route because I don't want to get confused by the whole issue of 
rewards or finances. I don't ask. I've never asked for a raise. Ever, never. I don't ask for what I'm going to get paid from one season to the next. It's irrelevant. Kendall, you you shouldn't listen to all of this. (laughs) I'm teasing. Never forget this, though. We do not ever need to work for our salvation. We work for rewards, yes, but not for salvation. Salvation is left in the hands of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He tells us in the book of John that he holds us firmly in his hands and he will not lose a one of us. Not a one of us will perish. No, not one. And so you don't work for salvation, but you do work for rewards and you ought to... You ought to be like Paul. You ought to run in such a way that you have a purpose. You ought to box in such a way that you just don't beat the air, but you, you have a real purpose for what you want to do as, you're, as you walk with Christ. So not to become disqualified or not to be approved and to receive a reward or two or three or how many from God, that we will have to work for, but never forget God has already carved that out perfectly for you and for me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 are, are famous verses. Every, a lot of people have that to memory and, and kind of get an idea. For grace we've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. You know, it is a gift of God, not of works, uh, lest any of us should boast, that type of thing. Now those two verses are wonderful, but those are not the most important of those verses. In that setting, verse 10 is everything. It says, verse 10, we are God's workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. I'd really encourage you to get to know verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You and I have not been created for just nothing He has given you and me a gift, a spiritual gift, if for some more than just one gift. And he doesn't expect you to lie that gift dormant. He wants you to use it for his glory while you're here on this earth. So we are God's workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And here's the wonderful catch, which God has prepared beforehand. These good works so that we would just simply walk in them. One of the most intimidated I've ever been was a couple of weeks ago at Kenny Hutchison's funeral. There were some high-powered pastors there, and they were all in a room praying, and the buzz was, who's the speaker? And nobody introduced me, so they didn't know it was me. And so I'm, I'm pretty intimidated by these guys. I can get intimidated by anybody, anywhere, any place, so that's not a big deal. But I was intimidated by that. And when I sat down in the front row and knew, knowing that in a while I was going to give the key address to the, con- to the people that were there about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is comfortable for me. I have no problem with it except that it was just intimidating to be doing this at Hutch's funeral. I mean, he was supposed to speak at mine. It wasn't that wasn't supposed to be this way and I'm sitting there right about where you are in this whole big big church and it came to mind when I became so frightened that I wanted to run you know how you want to just flee just run get out of that building verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 came to my mind 
And it was like the Lord said to me, you've my workmanship. You've been created in me for good works. I've prepared this beforehand. Just walk in it. Boy, it was liberating. Really liberating. I felt like almost I was here amongst you guys when I was there in the most intimidating of places. So, the Christian life is by definition filled with accountability and obedience. Don't miss that. Your life as a believer, you're accountable. You're asked to be obedient. Walk as Christ walks. That's our job. And so the standard here in Romans chapter 12, if you're, if you're away from Romans 12, let's turn back there again and look at verse 9, has been set. And it's anchored by the one word love. Love that has been given without hypocrisy. The greatest virtue in your life and my life as a believer in Jesus Christ is to love. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says that God is love. It also says in 1 John that we love because he first loved us. When a lawyer came to Jesus Christ and asked our Lord, in the Old Testament, it was made, he made this statement, but I'm talking about in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 22, a lawyer came and said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus Christ didn't hesitate a second. He didn't ask him a question on top of his question. He, he just answered it. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And he says, the second is like the first. You shall love your, pardon me, <coughs> pardon me, neighbor as you do your own self. Love is the very key to you and my existence as believers. And we are love without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, uh, I wrote it down a little while ago, hypocrisy is to say one thing and mean another. Remember what Paul wrote? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest is love. He also, Paul did, wrote in Galatians 5.22, he says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. One of the first places I was asked to memorize verses in Scripture was long ago as a, a brand new believer, and I was asked to memorize John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Let's see how I've done. Jesus Christ is speaking to the disciples. He says, a new commandment I have given unto you, that you should love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you should have love one for another. He goes on to say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's a great place in Scripture, don't you think? I mean, really, if I could just live that out, whether it be in our homes or or in our workplaces, or especially here at our church, it just would fill this place with the very essence of, of loving one another. Now, he's going to go on to tell us what love really means. It's not hypocrisy. It's not, it's not saying one thing and meaning the other. In, in reality, hypocrisy and love cannot coexist. <clears throat> Therefore, Paul writes in verse 9, I want you to hate what is evil or abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. <coughs> Paul fought that fight 
his whole life. And, and that should be comforting to you and me. It wasn't that Paul became this super Christian, this super duper guy that didn't have any problems once he came to Christ. No, he walked just like you and I walk. And he had his difficulties. As a matter of fact, let's just, let's just take a look at one of them. Look in Romans chapter 7. Doesn't have to, you don't have to turn very far. If you go into verse 14 of Romans chapter 7, he says, I know that the law is spiritual. Paul said, I know that. He says, I also know that I am flesh. I know that I'm sold into the bondage of sin. And then he makes this statement. For what I am doing, I don't understand. I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I am doing the very thing I hate. I mean, listen, Paul went through the same struggles that you and I go through. Just because you and I become a believer in Jesus Christ does not mean that we will be perfect, but it means that we have the ability to live a God-blessed and filled life. So how does Paul begin? He tells us in verses 10 through 13, he gives us 10 obligations to the body of Christ. It's an outline. I mean, just we'll just go through it. We'll just finish up on time. Number one, first things first, verse 10, we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Well, it goes back to John 13:35. All men will know that you and I are disciples of Jesus Christ if we have love for one another. Secondly, in verse 10, we are also to give preference to one another in honor. We're to honor each other. That's why I say to you over and over and over and over again, this pulpit is not more important than ministry to the children or ministry in the kitchen or parking cars or greeting people. As a matter of fact, I think some of those things are far greater than this. Uh, no, that's, that's not. I, I just didn't tell you the truth. That, that's not true. They're all equal. They're all just equal. We're to show honor to each other just because someone is the senior pastor. And you've seen it, haven't you? You've been maybe some churches where you see the senior pastor just puffs up his chest and really thinks he's somebody. Are you kidding me? Just a human being that has been gifted by God. How special can you be? Doesn't make sense. You would think that someone that studies the Bible and knows, knows it somewhat would, would not get all puffed up about himself. And so we're to give preference to one another in honor. Philippians 2, 3, one of my favorite places. Every wedding I've ever done, I've quoted Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of us regard one another, here's the key, as more important than we do our own selves. Husbands, is your wife more important than you are? in this whole process of life? Wives, is your husband more important than you are in this whole process of life? Kids, are your parents more important than you are? Parents, are your kids more... Man, that's probably an easier one. We have a tendency to want to spoil our kids, but which is a good thing. But do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than you do your own self. Third things, verse 11, don't lag behind in diligence. Simply put, don't be lazy. Don't, don't put off what you can do in the church because you don't have the time, or you don't have the talent, or you don't have the treasure. We, none of us do, or very few of us do. Jesus himself said these words in John 9, 4. 
we must work the works of Him who sent us as long as it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. Jesus Himself knew that His ministry was limited and that every moment should count. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are in the household of the faith. Fourth, verse 11, we are not only to be, be not lagging behind in diligence, but we are to be fervent in spirit. That means filled with the Spirit of God. That means walking to the best of our ability without sin in our lives. In other words, you and I have been given 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That you and I can walk moment by moment in our lives. <coughs> we are to be fervent in spirit. Just like Paul says, I run in such a way as not without aim. I have a purpose for living. 5, verse 11, serving the Lord. Like fervency in spirit, we are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to do with our perspective. It has to do with our priority. Why, why, why do you and I draw breath? What's our purpose? Hopefully it is to serve the Lord our God. We only get one shot at this. One shot. We ought to give, it him, give him our best. Six, we are to rejoice in hope. Now this one's... Unbelievable. <coughs> because without hope, you and I cannot survive. Our hope is in Christ and Him alone. Listen to, listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. I, I absolutely adore this place in Scripture. He says, verse 24 of chapter 8 of Romans, In hope, you and I have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he has already seen? No. He says, if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we will wait eagerly for it. I've never seen heaven. I've read, I've not read all, all complete books, but I've read about it and I've heard some that say they've been there. I find that hard to understand and hard to comprehend because when John went to be with into the, the, the heavens himself, and it was Paul or John, but he said he, he, there were things that, were, that, that he wasn't to reveal. It was so wonderful. And here we got guys writing books. You've got to be kidding me. Um, we hope for something that we've not seen, and we, we wait eagerly for that day that we get to be with our Lord in heaven. Seventh, verse 12, we persevere in tribulation. It's because we rejoice in hope that you and I can persevere through tribulations. Listen, Romans chapter 5, verse 2, 3, 4, and 5. Paul writes, Through whom also you and I have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope, hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we exult in our tribulations. Paul says we exult in the trials that we go through, knowing that the tribulations that we go through will bring about perseverance. The perseverance will bring about Proven character, and proven character will bring about hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have, we persevere through trials. We live in hope. Which 
number 8 in verse 12 allows us to be devoted to prayer. I think one of the reasons that the Lord allows His children, that's a precious sound. Man, I'll tell you what, don't you dare leave. That sounds so beautiful. Hi, sweetheart. You okay? Was she hungry? Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's a precious sound. Boy, she's pretty. Yeah, that's nice. Devoted to prayer. One of the reasons I believe the Lord allows you and me to go through difficulties is to drive us to prayer. Drive us to Him. The believer who has the strength to persevere through trials will pray more often and that person will become devoted to prayer. That's a great thing to be devoted to. Number nine, we're to contribute to the needs of the saints. He kind of jumps off now on this kind of a, well... This, is, this trait is self-explanatory. It's the opportunity that we have been given to help one another in a time of need. To contribute to the needs of the saints. Paul, when he brought Timothy to Christ, and then Timothy started a church, Paul said, let me instruct you on something very important. Listen to what Paul instructed Timothy to instruct his people the church about. Listen, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, if you want to look it up later, or now. Paul says, Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited nor to fix their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather fix your hope on God who will richly supply us with all things to enjoy. Verse 18, he says, Instruct those who are rich in this world to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and be ready to share. Instruct them from the pulpit, those that have been blessed financially, to not keep it to themselves but to share with the body of Christ as you so see fit. Last one, 10. Verse 13, practice hospitality. It translates, pursue the love of strangers. But it talks about hospitality in a very, very interesting verse that I, I, felt, I feel is, almost Im, is beyond important to me. I'll tell you why in a moment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Because, he says, for by this some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. Have have you ever been in a situation where you wondered what just happened? My wife and I took, this was a long time ago, 30 years ago maybe, took our kids to a vacation that a a gentleman friend of ours had had this place in Kauai. Kauai is to me the most beautiful of the islands. And he had a very beautiful home, and we stayed there. And so we went into this beach, and we were told by the locals of this private beach that you had to walk down quite a, quite a walkway, almost jungle-like, and you got down to this beach, and it, and it was really kind of isolated. There was nobody on the beach. I promise you, nobody was on the beach, as far as you could see to the left or the right. And there was some coral, and there was a rock that you could swim out to, and there was a rock you could jump off. And 
I told our kids, don't get near the coral. I said, slip every, do anything you want, jump off of everything, but get away from the coral. Don't try to climb up the coral because the coral is very sharp. It'll cut you. Well, Cassie got real close to the coral and cut her arm wide open. Just cut it wide open. And I lost it. I was not father of the year at that moment. I lost it. And I said, how in the world could you do that? And I started getting upset with her. And I said, look what you've done. You've ruined our vacation. Well, now we're going to have to go to the hospital. We're going to have to blah, 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 blah. And I'm ranting. And all of a sudden, this gentleman walks up to me. And he very, very gently, but very sternly corrected me. Don't be angry at your daughter. She didn't do anything wrong. I'm a doctor. Let me look at this. He looked at her cut. Can you... I, I swear, this is an angel. He looked at the cut. He said, that's not so bad. He said, you can fix that with a butterfly thing. You, know, just, you won't even have to take her to the hospital. It's, she's fine. And then I think he said something. I don't remember everything, but he said something like, love your kids. I started taking care of Cassie, and I was taking care of the family. Well, we're going to have to wrap everything up and go. And I said, where did he go? Where did this guy go? Where did he come from? There was nobody on that beach. To this day, I believe this angel came and said, don't be so unkind to your children. Love them. You tell everybody to love, love them. Show hospitality to others. Be kind to people. I think we've got a leg up here at this church on all of that. I feel very confident that's who you are. I love our church. I love everything about you. I do. I absolutely love everything about you. I feel really confident that this is a church that, that if people come here at all, will we'll stay. Not because of the preaching, but because of you. If they give themselves a chance to get to know this church, they'll stay. Um, let's, pro- let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the ten very, very graphic and very real ideals of how to conduct, our, conduct ourselves in the church, <coughs> especially with one another. My favorite, Father, is that we are to just do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but to treat one another more important as we do ourselves. I, I love that place in Scripture. May we do that, Father. May we really care for one another here in this, this church. Thank you so much for this time now. In Jesus' precious name, amen.